You're in the doghouse. And you're listening to the mother of all podcasts. And today, with great joy and excitement, a proud scouser, a good friend of mine. We were on a run this morning with Nathan Jones, Alistair, David Devine. I gotta pinch myself sometimes when I'm running with these guys. It really gives me great joy to welcome to the show. The legendary, he's such a young man, you couldn't call him a legend, but he is to me, Mr. Tom Rogerson. Welcome to the show. Thanks, gents. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I've uh, been waiting for a long time for John Jones to get me on this podcast. We finally, finally got you here safe and sound and breaking no rules whatsoever. He was, he was telling me he didn't want you on until he broke 15 minutes and he said he hadn't done it yet. So. And he has. He's broken <laughs> 14.34, um, a recent uh, PB. Uh, you can briefly, briefly talk about that, um, yeah, so they please, Yeah, it's um, Podium 5K. One of them nights, to be fair, just everything went perfect. The, uh, the weather was unbelievable. The race was there. Uh, I actually was in the same race. That race was Beth Potter. Beth Potter ran 14.41 that day. Broke the world record, but it didn't count. It didn't count. She was. <laughs> I did hear with a lap to go. I did hear someone shout, come on, Beth. And I was like, I'm, I might have to pick up the pace here with a K to go. And you did so. <laughs> I did so, yeah. With consummate ease. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good race. They went down with two lads from work, to be honest with you. Um, Phil and Dean. I mean, we all ran PBs that night, so it was just it, it was just a perfect night. Yeah. Yeah. No, the conditions were, were oh, spot on. That, spot right? on. Yeah, yeah. I foresee in the future you're breaking that time and going even faster, my friend. Um, I'm, I'm hoping you do you do oh, that. I'm sure you will. I'm sure the. Uh, yeah. Well, you must get you must get your uh, you're under the fourteen forty five, aren't you? So you got, oh, you got oh, all your flights paid for and yeah. your accommodation there with that one, haven't you? So never actually been to Elmar yeah. either. So like, yeah, everyone says it's the place to go, oh, don't they? Definitely, definitely, yeah. great place. Now listen. Listening right across Slovakia, across Europe, we've got a huge listenership in Slovakia. I want to give, before I forget, before we get right into the nitty gritty, I uh, want to thank all, uh, thank you so much, sweetheart, for getting me off with that parking ticket. (laughs) I have to give you that mention. And um, the story with that one, I came off the treadmill backwards, wink, wink. She got me off with the parking ticket, so a big thank you to her. And now we're laughing at it. It's true, it's true. It's, true. it's funny, but it's true. Is this Shane's Helen's slang? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's not something I know. <laughs> no, it's true. Coming off uh, treadmills backwards. Then I want to give a big shout out to Mick Hall. Um, you know Mick Hall? I know Mick Hall. He's a, yeah, he's a very nice bloke, Mick Hall. L- lovely fella. Great photographer. Great, great photographer. And he's very passionate and he, he's out there. Week in, week out, he, through the week, he's at every event you can imagine. I happened to bump into Mick, and I just want to give him a shout out. You can get in contact with him at www.mickhall-photos.com. He's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can see some of his work there. He's not sponsored the show, though. Just to... He's not. No, no we no. don't. We don't need a sponsor. <laughs> we're, we're, we're living in the living in the land of. Um, Milk and honey, we don't need a sponsor. <laughs> well, I don't think you've given Mick enough credit there, to be honest with you. He was also in my race at podium, 14.46, Mick. 14.46. Is this the same Mick Hall? This is the same Mick Hall. No, you're not about Mick Hill. Am I about Mick Hill? <laughs> <laughs> you're about Mick Hill? Yeah. 
Oh. We, we, we sorted this out before the uh, before the podcast. You had oh. you two in not to get confused, and you've gone and done it. I got, I got confused well myself. I made up with that, that little <laughs> bit of confusion. Shout out to Mick Hill as well. Forty-six <laughs> running. And finally, the third person I'd want to give a big shout out before we get into this wonderful podcast, because Tom, you know, unlike some of our previous guests. Tom has gone right through the system. He joined the Liverpool Harriers at age nine. He's 22. He's been there 13 years already. Um, and he's going to talk us through the progression. Because a lot of younger athletes seem to drop out. But Tom is, is there. And he's, he's made a vow to me today. He's going to be there for the rest of his life. Um, now, the, so the final person I want to, I want to give a big shout out to Thomas Hodges, Hodgson. Thomas Hodgson is my hero. I was in the second Sale Harriers Sizzler. Um, it's a long-winded story. I don't want to go into too much detail, but um, I was involved in a controversy where this chap uh, basically chased me down and bitch slapped me. Am I allowed to say that? Probably not, but I've said it anyway. And, and he 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 ruthlessly um, uh, stepped. To my salvation, he rugby tackled this chav. He l- launched him into the clouds and delivered um, what can only be, be regarded as a Steven Seagal moment. So we'll leave that there. But thank you very much, Thomas Hodgson. You are my hero and I'll never forget that moment. I feel, so. I feel like we'll, we'll revisit that story at, at a later date, definitely. Whether it's later in this podcast or in another episode. Because I feel like the people... Deserve the full details of that one, but uh, well, we, we maybe we'll keep it short for now. Maybe, yeah, because <laughs> we've got a lot, lot to get, yeah, lot to get through with, with Tom's story. Okay, so you're a proud scouser. I'm indeed. You love Liverpool. You're a Liverpoolian at heart. I mean, this is um, not really a running related question. What what do you feel? It's in your blood. What is it to be a Liverpoolian, passionate and proud to be a the scouser that you are, what, what, how would you define, how would you describe that? To be honest with you, it's quite hard to define. Um, we are, we are unique in ourselves. Like, you, you look at, you look at Liverpool and you look at scousers and we've got our, our own identity. Um, so you've got your Geordies, you've got your Glaswegians. It's that sort of vibe to say. So with Liverpool, obviously our history, our history defines us. It, we found it in years that it's it's an us and them mentality. Um when the government's treated us a certain way, shall we say I won't go too too deep into that, into other people's political views, shall I say. But when it's it's created this was I think it's created this us and them mentality, which now leads to today we've got we've got a very proud but Can I just ask you, are you going are you going back to the Thatcher period? I am going yeah, okay. so that, that's yes. where I'll I'll start it from the Thatcher period onwards mm. and then from that, we you get this us and them mentality that them being we, the government and perhaps the the potentially nowadays the the rest of England. So oh, like, okay, okay. We don't we don't need to be if 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 you want to look at it that way, we don't need to be associated with with being English because we're Scouse. Right. We're we're us. We've got our own our own identity. That that that's who we are. Yeah. I'm quite. If there ever is a battle, you know, I'm quite happy to join up with the Scousers against the rest of England. Well, you know, Scouse independence. <laughs> Scout, it sounds like a And great, then, you, a then game, when you pair game. it with the, what the city itself offers, so you've got two Premier League football clubs, one of which is a lot more successful than the other. 
Evan, Evan. 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 Yeah. And you went to the school where the famous legendary footballer Stephen Gerrard went to, and you're now currently an assistant in the school. I am. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. So I'm, quite... I'm, a, I'm a PE technician at Cardinal Heen, is what you're referring to, yeah, yeah. and we do have we do have a, a history of sport and success. Mm. So we uh, we had obviously most famously we had Stephen Gerrard go there. Mm. We had quite a few other pros as well. David Nugent uh, went there as well. David Price, the professional boxer, went there. Myself, obviously, I'm not saying I'm there standard, but can you foresee another crop of of fine sports people coming through that school? In the um, future. Potentially, yeah. Even even only a couple of years ago, we've had a couple of lads go pro. In terms of there's a couple of lads, Blackpool Rangers. We've we've got quite a few pros dotted around who could come through in the next few years. We uh, we seem to be able to replicate whether it's well, it is through rep, through reputation and through the uh, the department we we put a lot into our sports. We, we you know we we results. Yeah, we get the results we need. I think we should now start with, um, uh, unless Matthew would like to interject there, but as a nine-year-old, what was that first stepping stone that, that brought you to the Harriers? Well, with me, it was like, sort of came from my dad. Um, everyone, everyone grows up wanting to be like the dad, don't they? And my dad ran at school, um, didn't run for a club or anything, but he had all these stories. So my dad was the school record holder for Ambrose Barlow over the 1500s and over the cross country that a cross country course my dad broke the school record by over a minute didn't train hard it just sort of came naturally to him mm. so he'd tell me these stories of like and he'd, um, he'd slow down in a race to wait for the person in seconds and still broke the school record by a minute and he he talks about that with, with regret but also he's got great pride in the fact school record but Slowed down to wait for his mate in second place. And then another time, he got beaten for, for first and uh, tried to put a big last lap in in the 1500 to get back the win in the Liverpool City Championships. Got second. I've actually got the certificate on the wall in my room because I'm, I'm very proud that my running definitely comes from my dad. So, you know, I went to primary school and... I recall you, sorry, I recall you telling me, like, your father maybe didn't have the opportunities that you have now. Well... Yeah, hundred percent. That that definitely inspired my dad to to give me all the support he's given me, and I, I thank him massively for that. So like, as I say, everyone grows up wanting to be like the dad. So when I went to primary school, and our primary school teacher was like, oh, "Do you want do you want to run cross country?" I I jumped at the chance. You know, oh, my dad used to run cross country. I'll do it. Which school is this? Sorry, this was St Paul's Primary School in West Derby. Right. So I I wanted to uh, I did I wanted to make the cross country team, but I didn't make it. So I went home and I told my dad about it, and he was like, "Okay, well, if you didn't make it, I'll take you down to the club." Because my dad was obviously he had he never ran for the club, but he'd heard about it. So I'll take you down to Liverpool Harriers, and um, we can get you some training, and we can see if you can make the school team. And then started there and didn't look back. Do you recall your first coach at the Harriers? Uh, tough it was. Tough. My first coach yeah. was tough. Still at the club now. So um, you joined and you went to. A development distance group which was run by Taff and Ancroft. Ancroft isn't at the club anymore, but mm. she took me through for many years. And we, we were quite successful as, as a junior team um, when we went into the age groups. Yeah. As a nine-year-old, the facility that we see today was that was that is that that more recent or? Oh, it's, it's exactly the same. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. I remember walking in. 
as a nine-year-old signing up to the club, going over to the task group. It was not not much has changed. There's been a lot. Of, I, I believe there's been a lot of investment. You know, with um, those tennis courts on the other side. I know the were they there as well. Everything was there. The whole thing. Everything was there, but everything's been. It was there, but it's better modernised than it been. was then. So we've we've relayed our track. We've um, we've done up the club house. Everything's better than it was then. The stand was still, the stand there as well. The stand was still there. Yeah, yeah. 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 We've, we've we've had everything done up though, so everything's better than it was when I started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matthew, have you got something that you'd like to, or are we not? We're, we're, it was still very early, in, early in, in, yeah, yeah. in the. Uh, so, as a nine-year-old, you started to enjoy and progress. You were always enjoying. That's important, is it? Because some kids there's a lot of pressure, like football and stuff. But you were enjoying well, I was, being I was, a part of the team and the setup. Well, I was never the best as a kid. Um, not, I'm not going to turn around and say I'm this this greatly talented athlete. I, I found out quite quickly as a as a kid. Um, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have to work hard to get where what I wanted to be. Um, so it was. It wasn't until top end under thirteen I started seeing results, and that was that was three years after I'd started running top end under thirteen. Um, uh, I, but yeah, I, 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 I as didn't, a kid, you I, can you recall you were going down to the clubhouse twice a week? Were you also running? So we, we, it, it was fairly basic when you started. So because we we were simply a development group. Um, you'd go down on a Tuesday and you do a track session on a Tuesday mm-hmm. and we'd do something simple um, 10 by 150 3 by a K I still remember the sessions now to be honest with you yeah. um, Saf would be stood there with the watch and Anna would be giving you advice and telling you how she wanted to run it then we'd get to Thursday and Saf would take us out on the bike on Thursday nights and we'd, we'd either do like a fart leg he'd be cycling and he'd alongside us yeah. Yeah. so we'd, we'd either do a fart leg down to say Chill walls, Cinder Lane, these type of areas. What we do, we sometimes used to go to a, sp- a, t- a specific area where we'd have a session. So, Dunbabin Road. I remember that we had a triangle session on Dunbabin Road, where you'd um, you'd basically just first rep straight down, second rep two length, two sides to triangle, and then for the third rep you'd do the entire triangle on Dunbabin Road. Right, yeah. That sort of thing. And then occasionally we'd have a Saturday session. It was, it was the. It, if we could get a coach to take it, so like Anne, Anne couldn't always take the Saturday session, and there'd be a lot less of us on Saturday, because obviously it was Saturday and we were all young kids, so it was the more dedicated ones who'd turn up. We'd be over at Camp Hill, maybe. You do a hill session on Camp Hill, start from the bottom just up to the top, fairly basic stuff. And were you being encouraged to run outside of these sessions? Or, or, no, nah, right. that didn't come until under fifteen, maybe, right. uh, when um, I progressed to a, a different coach. But we'll get to that later. That's a okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're progressing now. We're all moving. Where are we going next from here? Um, you you're moving from perhaps primary school into secondary school. Yeah, when we when we got to secondary school, is when um is when things started to take off, especially. And this is the school you're now working in, by the way. Just, yeah, same school I'm now working. Yeah. Uh, can you give that a yeah. shout out? Yes, yeah, Cardinal Heenan Catholic High School, probably one of the uh, best sports schools in the country. Well, now well, here's is, a mo- here's a moment where I could just change the subject ever so slightly, which mm. is quite interesting for me. Um, it's not something you often talk about your faith, but you are um, you're a practicing Catholic. Yeah. So I'm you have faith, I'm and Catholic, yeah. and can you describe how important that is to you? Um, for the listeners. Well. Yeah, I share. I'm, I am a practicing Catholic. Um, I hold my faith quite quite close to my heart. I, I get it 
it's another thing I get from my dad. Um, from my dad is deeply Catholic. Follows his views. I, I've had, I've had struggles with with religion, where I've gone through phases of um, lack of faith. I'll say, mm. but then I've always found there's some, there's always something that's brought me back. Yeah. So a nice a nice story I'll tell you that they, they bring my faith back. It was only a few years ago as well. Um, my my great auntie, who to be honest, she was was one of the best people, I'd ever I'd ever met or ever will meet. She was like she didn't have any kids herself, so everybody in her family from my dad to my auntie to us to my cousins, they were her children. Looked after everyone, always had, and um, she was in her in her early nineties. She's on a on a deathbed. And unluckily for her, shall we say, when the day came when she was probably gonna pass, the uh, we were looking frantically for a priest to do the to do the last rites. But unluckily, she it was a it was Remembrance Day, or it was around a Remembrance Day. It was like a day when the um, Catholic Church does a mass for all soldiers lost in conflict. So we were calling priest after priest from different parishes, and we'd always get the same response. It's not my parish, or I can't do it. I, for me, I was sitting there and I was thinking, so this is what God is to me. God is someone who, when some when someone like my great auntie, who's been a practicing Catholic her whole life, who's been nothing but a good person, needs something, needs the last rites done on her deathbed, not a single priest will come out. Sound. So I left that care home, angry at God, angry at everything. And one of the priests I'd called was Father Sean, he was our family priest growing up, we all knew Father Sean quite well, and he didn't pick up when um, I called him originally, it left me a vo- so I left him a voicemail saying can you call me back, you know the family quite well, you you, uh, you took my granddad's funeral, if you can help us out, I'd love it, and uh, so I went out and I was like, I need to clear my head, went out and did a five mile run, and on that five mile run my phone rang, I stopped, I picked up the phone and it was Father Sean, calling me back to tell me if he needed me, if my family needed me, he'd, he'd be there in five minutes. And that to me was God telling me, I haven't forgot about you and I haven't forgot about your family. And I, I, I strongly believe it was a, it was sort of, it was a sign to sort of bring my faith back. Yeah. Because yeah, it was, um, it wasn't a nice night, shall I say that night. And the positives, the benefits of having faith, because I, I recall, uh, because you, you have a degree in ancient history, and Shulanitsyn, I believe, in, in the um, the archipelago, um, the, uh, the Russian sort of camps, um, um, people within the camps, if they had faith, they were able to stay. There was a difference. Those who, who lacked faith and those who had faith, there was it seemed to be... Um, they're able to hang on in there, you know, and, and some of them got through it just with that belief in, in something greater. But that, that, that's, you say what my faith is to me, that, that's what my faith is to me as well, obviously, not to that extreme of the Russian camps, but to me, my faith is as simple as, if you think there's something greater, if you think there's, there's something looking after you, getting through life is a bit easier when life's hard. Yeah. When those tough days come, if you've got faith, you've got faith, that there's a there's a greater being, there's a greater plan. Life does get, get that a little bit easier, and um, I just, I took philosophy A level as well, and as you say, so I haven't studied it a little bit. Um, yeah, 
having faith of something better just makes things easier shall I say which it, it sounds like you're cheating your way to an easier life but in a, in a way isn't that what faith's there for that's it and I think um, I think it's, I think it's runners uh, faith is something uh, whether it's in in uh, religious faith or faith in in one's own self one's own ability um, is something you, you you've got to have uh, to go and put yourself on the line in a race to to, to take that chance of, of what could be complete failure sort of thing or, or success but when you stand on that line you 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 can't know 100% but you've got to have faith in, in the work you've done the training you've done and things like that and you're not wrong it's, it's complete belief isn't it so like you've got to have belief in yourself you've got to have belief in your coach it's the same with religion you've got to have belief in yourself you've got to have belief in God so like you do you do see the parallels and yeah, it. I, I agree because when you when you put yourself on the line, like one goes, you believe it can it can go well. But then we all know, all, all three of us know, you, when you've been on a race and you've you've thought today's your day and it's just not happened. Yeah. But then there's that belief that well, I am in shape. Well, I am going to keep going. Next one's the one. It's it, it is it's that it's that ultimate belief in yourself. Yeah. And really, and that is what religion is. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. But you carry that faith into some of these races, perhaps, do you? Do you, do you have thoughts? I, I think so, yeah, because um, I always I always say, if I can relate to one Bible course, I'll always relate to Philippians 4.13, which is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, I've always found that quote quite nice, quite yeah. a nice quote, because you've got your belief in God, and God will be there for you. You've got your belief in Christ, Christ will be there for you. I re- yeah, I remember you telling me about your rosary beads once. They, they, those rosary beads, actually, they are um, they're my great auntie's rosary beads. That same great auntie I've just told the story about. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. To have faith seems to be um, a real bonus. Um, so you're now in sec- uh, secondary school. And you're, div- you're, you're, you're starting to make progress here because you're under 13, you're about 12, and you say that's three years in, that's when you started to, with all the work, um, sharing that with Alistair really because he, he feels as though he has to work really hard to get results. Um, so tell us, were you, you realised you were, you were making headway? Um, when it was under 13, top end, and linking back to what you said at the start of the podcast about I've come through the age groups and I'm still on the sports under 13 when I was under 13 I think Liverpool not even just Liverpool Liverpool Pembroke was an unbelievable place running wise um, because you, as, as it happens do you want to list some of the, the talent well that, that's the thing so we, we had our team Liverpool Arias under 13 we went to um, the Northern Road Relay Championships and we had a friend of mine, Adam, on leg one. And I was on leg two. And another friend of mine, Christian, was on last leg. And then we found ourselves winning with a leg to go. And then Christian brought the win home. We won, North, we won the North, North of England Relay Championships. And then, as it turned out, Liverpool, Pembroke, Sefton came second behind us. Mm. It, was, um, it was a bit of a mad one. So then we went to Nationals, the National Relays. Unfortunately... Adam, who at the time was our best runner, couldn't run. So 
Who was that? So do you want to give him a shout out? Uh, Adam Moorcroft, very Adam, good runner, very Adam, good athlete. Adam Moorcroft. Uh, plays football now, I think, and he's uh, he's doing really well for himself. So fair play to Adam. But yeah, he, he couldn't run. He was he was injured at the time, so we brought under the lad him, Ryan brought him in for the nationals, and even with Ryan in, we like Ryan was a really good runner himself. It was just three for the team, so he was the unlucky fourth runner. So he, he made the A team for national, and we still came top ten. We came eighth, which was again brilliant. Liverpool, Pembroke, Sefton came tenth again, brilliant. Went to Northern Cross Country. It was the exact same thing. Uh, I finished ninth individually. We we stacked really well as a team. We won the events. Liverpool, Pembroke, Sefton were in the top three. I back then it just seemed like. Oh, this is it. Which, 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 which category was this that you were in? Now? This was uh, under thirteen boys. Right. So we, we it just looked like we were going to stack really well for years because mm. we we had this setup, but then so many years down the line, other lads have gone to have gone, which is it's just no bad thing to them. It's more a thing of how do we keep these runners in the sport. Other lads have gone to football, have gone to triathlon, gone to other things. So how do what, you keep how do you keep them in the sport? How do you keep them in the sport? That's, That's a question. the question. Have you any ideas? <clears throat> to be honest with you, I I couldn't say it myself because in a country like like England, football will always be the number one sport. No matter what we can do, football will always be the number one sport. And then if you look at athletics and running specifically, if you're a runner and you're a good runner, fair play. But if you're a runner and a good triathlete, you're gonna pick triathlon. You're gonna pick triathlon because it's 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 better funded. Um, the events seem bigger, and there's a, at the minute there's definitely a bigger draw to triathlon than there is to running. Would you agree? It seems to be, yeah. yeah. Be, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would say, would you? You think um, athletics, uh, both internationally and and UK, is uh, is its own worst enemy in terms of you know how it goes about sort of. You know, in football, we know the contracts that the guys are on. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's public knowledge how much someone's getting paid per match, per you know everything like that. In athletics, like there's, there's these athletes with sponsorship and stuff like that. But you know what? No, it's it's all secrets. No one's coming out and saying this is what they're on. This is what they're paid and things. And you know, there's there's all it's, it's all like closed doors and everything like that. And you're sort of like, well, you know. It, for someone aspiring, uh, you know, aspiring to be in that knowledge that, you know, well, actually, yeah. if you did that, you could get, you know, you could earn this and this is what you could do, you live in and everything like that. You know, it's... it's. Well, me and a friend of mine used to, used to actually joke about it at university, me and a friend of mine, he was, um, he still is a very good 400 athlete. He uh, got a bronze medal at books and we used to go to the gym together, so we, we used to joke about it and we'd say, oh, where are you ranked at the minute on power of 10? And he'd be like, oh, ranked here. Like, so where would that put you as a professional footballer if you were ranked that professional footballer in the in the country? And we were sitting there with Joe Water going, I'd, I'd be in a nice bit of money here playing in the championship yeah. if I was the same rank of footballer as I am 5k runner. Or as same for him, it would have been 400. Yeah. And the difference, if you compare it to that say athlete who may be top 100 5k runners in the country, or top, top 100 footballers in, in England... You're going to be playing League One Championship football, which Premiership maybe, even maybe Premiership if you yeah. get the right deal. Which the money you're going to be earning in that in that sport is unbelievably yeah. more than so, that. Than that so what, what, what was in. what was saying is that athletics and running specifically is very very competitive, very competitive, and to to get a good deal in that sport you've got to be 
whereas you can dip into these other sports perhaps and have more success at a similar level of intensity but have more success potentially but, but just the fact that it's it's there's no idea of what you're really like like there's, there's the, the triathlon is another example away from football getting away from most football is triathlon we know what sort of maybe not the sponsorship deals per se but we know the prize you know you know the prize pots for these big events and stuff that they do whereas even like you know London you, London Marathon you sometimes get a bit of like a thing of what the prize pot will be like like it was we all know how much Mo Farah earned when he did the, the half he did half of London and earned 500,000 that's Mo is yeah but, you know that was that was sort of came out but you know still the prize pots are a little bit hidden and things and even even when you come down into some of the smaller stuff so some of the smaller triathlon races and stuff that local triathlons will have huge prizes um, and I know you, you well you know, publicised well publicised and well made. and I know you question um, Tour of Merseyside it was, it was on this week and you questioned me about what the prize was and it's a great event and I, I loved my participation in it but the prize for that winning what six races across seven day things is is £150 your entry fee back is the prize money for well, that I, when I questioned it I, I said to Matthew the organisers of that particular tour um, they've got a, they've got six races in seven days they've got a huge vast um, resource of people who've spent £150 to enter and they've decided to give the winner his money back. And I thought, well, if it surely you'd want to give them a bit more than the money back, you know, the winner of the of the six races. I mean, the the, the British Milers Club this year have, have put some good money forward for 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 sort of our national level sort of talent and things like that really haven't they? They put is it something like is it twelve grand they've put for each each one of the ma- the gold BMC matches. I think so, yeah. I've seen, um, seen a few people with big checks. Yeah. Seen um, photos. So that, I mean, that's, that, you know, that's a promising sort of thing and that's that's definitely a move in the right direction for stuff. Um, well, yeah, you sort of, you know, on, on you know, you look at sort of the level and when you talked about the tour and you were telling me how you'd, you'd, you'd mentioned it to, to Tom and well, David the, and stuff Yeah, like this that, is a really interesting point because... I haven't heard about it sort yeah. of thing and because... And you, you, the way you said it to me was that you suppose that is sort of like. Oh, go on, you, you, you describe it how you describe it to me. Cause well, I'm, I'm running on, on this last Sunday, so it's a week ago. The tour starts on the Sunday. Start on the Sunday, yeah. And social media is, is rampant with people um, banging the drum for this event. And I'm out there with Nathan Jones, who's just run 28.54 for, for 10K. Um, You've got that time, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and he's obviously had a had his success most recently. He started running with me on a Sunday, you see. That's uh, why, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's why. If you ask Nathan, I think he will say he ran twenty eight fifty four because he does Sunday runs with John Joe. Well, I hope he's listening, and um, we'll get him on the show soon. He can he can he can agree with me on that. Um, <laughs> no, the really interesting thing for me on that was that I'm out there with Nathan, yourself, Tom Rogerson on the show today and Alistair Rutherford who's been on the show David Devine who's looking towards Tokyo and we're out running and they haven't a clue that this event is just about to start on the Sunday with the Southport Half Marathon but what I felt was you've got all the the you know the people out there joggers runners who just get out there three or four and enjoy it you know and they enjoy it uh, and they get out there and the vast sort of the spectatorship uh, um, and they're out there and it's as if, it's like, 
the elite runners, which I am not, but you guys certainly are. And and you guys are the creme de la creme, on a local level, I'd say. You're the premiership. And they're going to watch Prescott Cables. That's, that's, sorry, Prescott Cables. <laughs> but that's the way I describe it. So you got Man United and Liverpool. And they're the, the best, you know. But you're not going to go and watch them. You're going to go down the road and watch something else. And as the coach said to me, he said, yeah, this is a great thing, but six races in seven days, the problem with it, if you're training and you're dedicating yourself, and Tom, Tom will have, I want to hear his thoughts on this. It's all about quality. Because if you're racing six races in seven days, you can get through it. But if you want a personal best, if you want to see yourself move to an, a place you've never been before, then you're not going to do that, are you, in, in six races? Well, you could do it on the Sunday, but then you, you're going to be bollocksed for the other five races. Um, so it's an interesting one, but that's where the there's some life and soul and spirit in that as well. As you're well aware, Matthew, Matthew, who has the record for the tour, all six races, you're well aware because you got involved in that yeah, and yeah. You, you enjoyed the uplifting spectatorship and the it's the, the, it's, it's the fan base of it it's the, the, it's the thing of because that same weekend that Sunday um, David had been down on the Saturday competing at the British Champs and again saying back how athletics is his own worst enemy those British Champs they, they couldn't the UK Athletics couldn't get a deal struck with the BBC to broadcast those championships on, on anything the BBC offered to do it um, for free they, they were going to do it for free they wouldn't, they wouldn't give any money to UK Athletics but put it on their online stream well, I mean, if it put on the online stream, at least it could have been there accessible to people. I mean, in the end, they put it on YouTube, and, and actually, I think YouTube's now more accessible to, to a lot of people than, than sometimes the BBC might be, and it, I think it actually went over, the coverage went over really well, but it's that sort of... It, it's, it's, of it's shooting yourself in the foot, isn't it? Yeah. To, to just... Because as soon as you take it off BBC, okay, it's nev- it's not going to be on BBC one or two because of the Euros, but we, it'll be on the red button at least. Um, but it's just, it's taken... The advertisement of it's on telly, away from it, strays away. Because okay, we all of us know it's on YouTube, but it's it's that wider audience yeah. trying to click into, isn't it? Of going, oh, some athletics is on. I'll watch that. Someone who doesn't really do it or doesn't really watch it, and you know might might find it an interest in it by putting it on YouTube and going, yeah, it's still on. We're still live streaming. That's something only really the the running community is going to hear about. Yeah. So it is it is just shooting yourself in the foot. Even in through lack of advertisement. Yeah. And what about on that point that I've I've tried to make? You've got you know like I, I went down, I represented the city of Liverpool in the national league. I fell over the steeples badly, but I, I I wore the vest and I was there. But there was not there was nothing there. There was no atmosphere. Um, there was hardly any spectators. Only people really who were involved. You know, it was dead to be honest. I think it's un, perhaps more so because of COVID and. And you were at you were at the meeting yesterday. How did you find the whole atmosphere, the setup? It, it was similar, but as I say, and I, the, the I, contrast I, between that and let's say the tour of Merseyside. So that, this is where you've got your finest athletes locally, at least. Well, this is and the there's thing. no one there. There's no support. There's not you know that atmosphere. You would you not expect an atmosphere at something like that? Ideally, in an ideal world, yeah. Because I I I will say I've done the British League when it has been like that. Mm. So my my first year in the British League. It was an unbelievable experience. I went down to Lee Valley to do fifteen hundred. Uh, I ran with I was the B runner. I ran with Matt Jackson. Matt Jackson, who's a fantastic athlete, uh, t- 
1500 So it was me and me and Jacko were on the line, and I was just, I was like taken aback because you had the likes of Jacko, uh, was running it. You had Jack Crabtree who was running it. He was a three forty-ish runner at the time. You had James Gormley, another three forty-ish runner at the time, uh, and then you had Kyle Langford. I was stood on the line next to Kyle Langford, and I was like, "What am I doing here?" This is the thing. So the British League. Is a, it is it, as you say, it is a fantastic and it is a contrast to the tour and major side. By the, by the way, a, for, for the listener, the British League is it's, it's, it's yeah, the highest it's, league, isn't it? It's, it is, yes. Yeah, so you have so the British League is basically athletic, all the athletics clubs together competing, and uh, you'll have divisions. So City Liverpool sort of goes to the Premier League and then comes back down and goes to League One, and then we'll do that for a couple of years. Hmm. So my first year, that we were in the Premiership. So yeah. I, I did get to compete against the likes of Kyle Langford, um, a few other athletes too. James Gormley was there as well, Johnny Shields, these sorts of athletes who were top quality 1500ers. So Mohamed Mohamed as well was in there at one race, I think. I've raced against Dowie Griffiths, Paolo Sudafel, these types of athletes all in British League races. Um, clearly miles ahead of me in terms of quality, but I, I was still given that opportunity because it was City of Liverpool. So if you compare it to say what it would have been in an ideal world, it would have been fantastic, it would have been a great atmosphere, but with COVID, it just it, it wasn't possible. It wasn't possible to have that atmosphere yesterday. Okay. It's more about COVID than this particular it's, it's definitely more about COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. So moving on from the tour of Merseyside to Park Run, which is about to start up again. What are your thoughts and feelings about Parkrun? Oh, might might be a a dead guest for this one because I, I don't actually have much experience in Parkrun. Um, I think I've only ever done two. Yeah. What, what about the idea that it's a free? I like I like the idea of it because it get it gets people involved in running. That's that's the top and bottom of it. It's a free event. It's a five k where you're gonna get people going. I fancy doing a five k, but I don't want to pay to enter a £25 entry fee to enter a 5k so you can go down you can do parkrun and that, that gauges your interest straight away into running so it, the idea of it is fantastic for, for putting running on the map and then the other benefits of say because I've seen I've seen articles and I've seen programmes about it where they say like parkrun's great for mental health parkrun's great for fitness and it is because it encourages people to go out and go I will do that 5k I will. I will do that extra mile because it's free. I. I. Th- I think the idea, the concept of it is is very good. What about the idea that there's a, there is money involved? Well, there's going to be, isn't there? Because and it's it taken is. away from athletics clubs. That idea. Have you have you heard about that? I haven't heard about that, but what I will say is some funding taken away from athletics club and and given to the some of the guys at the at the the head of of, of the organisation part room. But then. You can't have it both ways, can you? Because then, with parkrun, it's free and it's athletic based. So you're gonna find runners at parkrun who are gonna to come to your club because of it. That's so a good, good if you point. Were to, if you were to speak to Faye O'Hare, who trains with us, yeah, Faye started running through parkrun. Faye competed in the British League yesterday. It's people like that. So you may take away funding, but then you may gain and, athletes because of it. And she was picked up at the Croxteth Park Run, I believe. I think she was so, telling yeah. me the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely yeah. a park run. Anyway, yeah. Tony's told me the story before. 
Um, so perhaps athletics clubs could do more to get down there and perhaps pick up those athletes. Exactly, it's, it's instead of complaining could, all the while. It's something you could take advantage of more. Yeah. Um, so instead of saying they've taken funding away from us, go down there, hand out leaflets, put your club on the map at your local park run because it will help. You will find someone who'll go, I fancy that. Why not? I agree with you. The, there is one other th- interesting aspect to that that race organisers who are trying to make money from ra- organising races and they look at power and they say, oh God, you know, it's all free. I'm creating an event here. I'm trying, they're trying to make money from it. Uh, and that the council are allowing them to put on that event for not, why don't they charge? I've heard that, you know, I mean, it's, it's foreign to me, but at the same time, there are people who are upset. Um, business people, do you have any sympathy for them? Ex-runners as well, by the way, top runners from yesteryear who are proclaiming that Park run, they should be charged to u- for usage of the lab because it's detrimental to the race organiser and profiteering because they want to put on races. Any sympathy for those? Not really, no. Um, simply for the, the thing we said before about tournament side, I, I, I understand it's hard to put a race on, I understand you need money to do that. But I, I also don't like the idea of, say, paying £40 to enter a half marathon. And then you may say, okay, say I, say I enter a half marathon with the intention of winning it and I pay £40 to enter and I look at the prize money and the prize money is £150. But then that, that one half marathon, I, I, I put in my calendar to win. Matty turns up, Alistair, Dave, Nathan all turn up. I'm suddenly down in fourth or fifth, receiving no prize money and I pay £40 to enter, which for... Someone in my, my capacity, 22 and all that, £40 can, can be a lot of money. So if you're worried about Parkrun taking money off you, you shouldn't be because you're always going to get thousands of people who want to run your race and will pay to run your race, regardless of Parkrun. Yeah. Parkrun puts Parkrun's... A se- I find Parkrun as a separate entity. Yeah, I, I think it's probably encouraged people to race more. I think probably race organisers have probably profited more from Parkrun's thing because it it's generated more runners and then they've achieved the 5k and they've been doing the 5k regularly and they're sort of like okay well what's the next step where, where do I go next and the next one is well you do a 10k and then you're half and then you everyone's mad, head goes mad and they all go yeah, well, yeah we'll do a marathon now and, and that's it sort of thing and well, that's you know, exactly what you should be doing is, is you know all right I'm, I quite fancy a track 800 or a 1500 that's where they should go really isn't it but um, yeah, that's exactly it so say if you put on an um St. Helens 10k. Say, say St. Helens 10k is in the calendar. That's once in a year, isn't it? Park runs every weekend. So if someone gets into doing park runs and then suddenly goes, I'm enjoying this. I might enter St. Helens 10k and see what I want to do because they'll see St. Helens 10k as the event to do, the yeah. official event that's once in a calendar. Yeah, so yeah. park runs, just think, in my head, park run would encourage people to enter them races yeah. more than taking them away from it. Yeah. Those arguments are very convincing. I, uh, it's the yeah. historian in me, John Joe. History teaches it to argue. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to footwear. Um, I, I, I want to go, I oh, sorry, go, go on. back. We, on. We, we're jumping. Well, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go back. So uh, Tom's 15 now. He's moved. moved he's moved, 12, moved. isn't he? No, he's 15 now. He's, got, he's, he's 15 now. <laughs> he's uh, moved into, into new new group, new coach. Right. Yeah. Tell, tell, yeah. Us, tell us about that, that evolution and where you think build from there. So, um, so 
obviously uh, we had we had the success at under thirteen, and um, I I was county champion at the time. Um, for cross country that was county champion. Was that's county that's champion quite an accolade. It was yeah. I, I, that was that was race actually quite local to here. I, I won it over at Cherdy Park. Um, yeah, shout out to Saint Helens for you there, John. Yeah. yeah, what a beautiful park. Yeah. So um, as I say, the club was in a good place. Uh, we were doing well, and then a new club, sorry, a new coach moved over to the club, Adrian Webb. Um, and Adrian bought across with them all, all of his athletes from um, Saint Helens. From Saint Helens, he moved over from Saint Helens, and at this time. Like we were still in this development, younger athletes sort of group. Me and a couple of lads I was training with at the time, so we we were getting good. Um, we were we were running some good times. I think at the time I was about a two twenty eight eight hundred runner, which I, I was happy with my times. But then you start to realise you're training with a lot of younger kids, so you start to think there's a there's a gap in the group between us and the younger lads that we were training with. And then you look across and you see Adrian and Adrian's training, the likes of, say, Matt Sherling. Matt Sherling, 340, 450, fantastic athlete. He's the likes of Jamie Webb. He's training the likes of Enzo Marakpan. He's training Abdi. You look across and you go, our group's great. My coach is great. My, 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 well, I had two coaches at the time, Tafanan. Like, everything's going well. No disrespect to Tafanan, but it could have been going better. So I sat, I sat down, well... I originally went about it the wrong way. Uh, I'll admit that. Uh, what's, what's the wrong way? The wrong way was a, a Adrian and me had, had a conversation about it, and then I went back to Anne and spoke about it, and Anne said I was too young. Fair enough, but in my right. head, I should have spoke to Anne first. Fifteen, you were. I was um, around that age. Um. So then. So there's a disagreement there between two. It, it was, two, but then again, I coaches. in my head looking back, I should have spoke to Anne first rather than speaking to Adrian first. Or maybe uh, if if I've seen this happen before, I don't know about this particular case, but sometimes coaches feel difficult to let go of, of an athlete. You know that he's he needs to move on, well, and, and we, yet they want to keep hold. You know, it's, well in that situation, we did we did give it a few weeks. Mm. We gave it a few weeks, and we sat down with Taff, and we said, "This is no." We said there's no issues with with yourself and on. It's just that's the older group. And the older yeah. group will bring us on a bit more. Yeah. And Adrian had a structure for us and everything. Um, so we worked it out and I moved over to Adrian. And as you say, this is when you bring in the Monday and the Wednesday run and you bring in the Sunday run. And things started to get... Because you're training with... We, we were bottom age in the 15. But you're training with under 17 and under 20. So things became a lot more from going from a development group to going to athletes who were targeting national cross targeting English schools time so things suddenly became a lot more structured in my training we had a plan we knew where we wanted to go and Adrian knew what sessions we were going to do to get there rather than having it with a development group it was still really good but it was based largely around getting you fit and then targeting a race to be fit for that race rather than with Adrian it was you're going to run this session so that you can run that time it was that sort of thing if you, if you, get, if you get my meaning yeah so you made that move we made that move and yeah, it was it was it was a really good move. Um, it, within my first season, Adrian noticed straight away. I wasn't I wasn't an eight hundred runner. I should have been a fifteen hundred runner. So he moved me up to the fifteen hundred. Um, and I just missed out on being a school time. I think I ran four twenty five in my first year with Adrian. 
was a uh, school time of twenty two, and uh, yeah, it was it was a really which good, would have allowed you to it would have qualified me to compete at the English schools, mm. so I just missed out on that, and uh, but things were going well, like we uh, we had a good structure, we trained we trained Tuesday we did a track session, Thursday was we'd be out on the roads whether it was at Sefton Park doing mile reps around Sefton or doing laps of Sefton that sort of thing and then on Saturdays we'd be up here we'd be on Shirley Park doing something cross country based and it was it was all it was all going really well um, yeah and I stayed with Adrian for a good few years up until about maybe four years ago was when I, was when I moved to Tony right and, and that was uh, you can talk about that as well that, that, that it was another case where you needed to move on perhaps or you needed well, a fresh chair, fresh look wasn't necessarily needed to move on things things are going really well with Adrian I, I, I give credit to Adrian for a lot of things uh, he trained me well through the age groups we had a lot of success I, I ran some really good times we, we broke four minutes we ran 8.32 for 3k and I ran 15.15 for 5k under Adrian he's a fantastic coach um, we had some really good memories I, I had some really good achievements with Adrian as well um, 12th in English girls cross country was a massive one for us and then a week later I was then old enough to compete in the 12 stage and that year we uh, we medalled at 12 stage which is a really great memory for me in athletics. A silver medal? Silver medal at Nationals. Yeah. It was a really great memory for me. Uh, would you, 12, 12 would you put months. that as the so far as the pinnacle of your career? It's, it's definitely up there because like when you were a kid we were all we were good at relays but it was age group based so 2017 came around and suddenly I got put in with the seniors and because I'd already trained with Matt Chair and Dan Jarvis, these type of athletes, you knew we were good at relays because for the past couple of years, they'd have got a couple of fourths at nationals. I think they got a fifth and a twelfth stage. So you knew we were good at relays, but we just couldn't get it together to medal as a team. So 2017 came round and I was suddenly old enough to run the team. So I was like, I can't wait. This is going to be great. But it was touch and go with our BNDA. So... Um, at the time Tony was team manager actually so we, we looked at the team and Tony was like Northern Northern 12 stage mate I want you on leg 2 for the A team and I was like this was a, this was brilliant for me I was like oh get in I'm one of the lads yeah. in the 12 stage and it was quite funny looking back actually because I got onto leg 2 Dejean was on leg 1 <laughs> so I'm in the pen I'm like yes come on this is going to be good Dejean came in 30 seconds in the lead I've turned around in my pen and I've thought there's Tom Lanks, there's Nigel Martin. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't going to go well. But um, that day, after, we, we held the lead because Tom was a bit further down the field. And that day, we came we came second behind Sale. Um, so I'll tell you what, it was a great race because we went into the last leg a minute down. And this is this is another shout-out to Matt Jackson, actually. We're a minute down and going into the last leg. You know, the team's all on the course, all 11 of us. We're just, you know, sort of clapping Jack Owen. Well, in, mate, you're 50 seconds down, come on keep it going you can feel anticipation because suddenly you go you're 35 seconds down Jacko Jacko you're 20 seconds down and we lost by 7 seconds in the end but he ran the leg of his life I think it's unbelievable yeah and then a week later we went to nationals it was sort of a stronger team we brought in Johnny Mella for it similar it was a similar sort of team and as I say it was was a great it was a great day We, we got silver behind Bristol Um. A really good day. Some of the top, some top lads down that day, and like it was a really nice community as well at the time. 
runners who then we ran a 12 stage with for years on years up until a few years ago as well like obviously we didn't have one this year it got cancelled but like so Ricky Chowner like so Johnny always gets out if he can so it, it's, a, it's a proper nice community so when you do well you do well together it's a, it's a really good feeling yeah the 12 stage when will the next 12 stage happen Hopefully it'll be next um next March next, next March. March. Mm. I tell you what though, like just a, a note on it as well. Um, the last time we did a twelve stage, we did really well as well. Came, I think we came eighth. But what I enjoyed most about it, after say, was the eight of the athletes in that twelve stage team trained in our group, trained with Tommy. Right, yeah. So it felt it felt like you would obviously you grafting for your club, you grafting for the Harriers vest, but it it meant. In my head, it meant that a little bit more because you're training with these lads every week. So it was like, don't get me wrong, I, I love the club, I love everybody at the club. But when we trained together and eight of us got picked, it was fantastic. It was a brilliant feeling. Tony loved it, I loved it. They, we all loved it because we did well We did well from our own group. It was fantastic. Because the opposite of that is bringing guys in who never come near the club potentially and creating a team which doesn't quite have the same well, That's the thing, you're heart. always, always going to train you're always going to race better, John Joe, if you're in the 12 stage with me because I'm going to I'm going to run faster thinking I grafted John Joe every week and I know that you're going to feel that same way because there's we train together. There's, there's, there's that connection and there's, yeah. that, there's that group feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite something special. I, I agree, yeah. Yeah. So, I want to talk about football now. <laughs> I was uh, speaking to Alistair the other day he's ordered a pair of Dragonfly um, these uh, racing shoes with a, a metal plate inside them that springboard Car- you forward carbon carbon plate they haven't got they one though when he told me there was one in there no different shoe though they've got a spike they've got the car- they've, they've got a carbon outer sole but spikes have had a carbon outer sole for yeah, coming back forever David David, t- David told me there was some kind of carbon plate inside it no. he must be no, mistaken it's the foam that's different in the dragonfly anyway, it's, it's the zoom x foam which was Dave just trying to mug it off again I did, yeah he keeps telling me to go left and it's we're going right and <laughs> go straight on we're going left yeah so there's no plate in the Dragonfly. They are they are the best shoe on the market, though, from what I've heard. Yeah. Matthew will correct all, me. All the, all the records have been. Crane doesn't like them, though, do you? I I'm desperate to get a pair, but they're impossible. I'm also to get quite desperate to get a pair. Really? Yeah. yeah. Of, uh, they'll been, become more readily available, surely. After the Olympics, they're being released again. There'll be a, there'll be a new release of them. Yeah, they just basically want to show off. They were released originally so that they could fit into the new IWF rules where they have to be released four months in advance of the Olympics so they released them last year mm. um, in advance um, before the Olympics was postponed and things and then um, obviously now because they, they've been out people they, they can, their athletes can use them obviously they want to hold go to the Olympics show that they're the best shoes that, that, that are around and then obviously release them so that they sell you know about 130 pounds but then it's always that argument isn't it that it's just like are the best athletes already at night yeah so then the best shoe is worn by the best athlete anyway. So yeah. then that best athlete, would he win without the shoe anyway? Yeah. I mean, I, I watched the US trials and um, I was quite impressed by the fact there was there was quite a lot. In the 5 and 10K, where the Dragonflies had been having a big effect on world records and things like that, in, in the US, the, a lot of the, the guys and the women, um, there was a lot of Hoka-sponsored athletes in the new Hoka track spikes um, and there were a lot of on 
athletes and the new one spikes as well both all making the teams across the five and the ten um, and down to the 15s and new balance as well oh. seem to win i mean the women's 1500 was I think all three athletes were New Balance sponsored. Nike didn't even get a, a look in on that. Well, now you um, said that, I, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Josh Kerr is actually sponsored by Brooks, isn't he? He is, but he was wearing Brooks um, don't have a super shoe. And oh, they, let, they said that they were letting their athletes wear um, a blacked out um, Dragonfly, uh, well, blacked out Spike from another brand if they wanted to. Uh, so yeah, Josh did run in a, uh, a black. T- I think it was. I think it was a whited out dragonfly uh, um, actually. Ah, oh, let me down on it. Uh, yeah, yeah. They they came out and said they just haven't managed to to get a spike in time. So, so this place. idea at the Olympics, uh, you've heard David was telling me this. Hope it's not another pack of lies. That <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> You'll feel you at, at, at the Olympics. <laughs> He's already threatened to charity box me. <laughs> Um, I hope uh, I hope um, oh, what's his name Thomas Hodgson is uh, yeah, waiting in the wings to save me <laughs> <laughs> this uh, idea you know I wasn't really listening to you guys there but uh, thank you for that you, <laughs> thank you no, to talk about shoes I know I know it's boring though isn't it the, <laughs> at the Olympics uh, Nike are going to give everyone a pair of shoes they're all going to run in, in Nike shoes, but um, it, they, they're going to, you know, New Balance, all the sponsors are going to put the New Balance over the top of the Nike shoe. The, the, have you heard the, about there this? Are, yeah, there are rumours. Nike have um, created a blank logo. There's no logo on it. Mm. Version of the... Um, it's not It's not the Dragonfly. It's the... It's, and the reason is to... It's e- something else. It's a something else fly. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a... It's not the dragonfly spike it's, it's a slightly lesser version it's still the zoom x in there but it's it's not the main shoe which obviously surely is that you know that why give out your your shoe to other yeah. athletes who are, aren't going to be wearing your kit it's, but, it's one of them isn't um, it but yeah there is and it is a rumor it's it's not 100 percent. what do you mean it's one of them you know you're not going to give away yeah. your I mean, red that are you i mean they did do it at the u.s marathon trials well that, that was so, that was sort of to get the shoe out yeah. there wasn't it because they were a bit nervous about the iwf yeah. rules so yeah. it was just get the shoe out there as quick as you can yeah. i think anyway uh, yeah. allow and it. it was a good marketing stunt because a lot of guys wore it and did make the team who weren't yeah. night sponsored jake riley yeah. um, was one of them and stuff like that and um they're all wearing the same shoe in the race that levels out the playing field perhaps no it, you'd think it would yeah but like if it's a slightly altered shoe it, it, in my opinion though you're going to go to the Olympics and the best athletes are going to wear the best shoe anyway so it's like if, you, if, you, if you're saying a different athlete's going to have a different shoe if you're sponsored by Nike, you're going to have a Dragonfly. If you're sponsored by Adidas, you're going to have Adidas' version. So you're going to have the best possible shoe anyway. So it's fine margins. I, I know fine margins mean a lot in the Olympics. But if it's I, if someone goes out and wins a 10k by 10 seconds, his, his shoes aren't making a difference. Yeah. The Olympics... I mean, I, I, well, when, like, when I hear the arguments about the shoes to play, it's like, it's all well and good saying it's the shoes making a huge difference. But, I mean... If I if I for my marathon, or for, you know, if you if we train just as hard as some of these yeah, exactly. guys, think, but I'm still nowhere near. Yeah. The, you know, like I raced, I raced Mark Scott in yeah. um, Antrim last year. I'm still yeah. five minutes behind him. Yeah. I'm still doing over hundred mile plus a week and yeah. all the rest of it sort of thing. But just because I've got the same yeah. shoes as they can get doesn't but mean if, it's if good. I, if I do a six week block, 
and I train as hard as I can, and so does Dave. And I wear Vaporflies, and Dave doesn't. Dave is still going to put me away up for that, okay? Yeah. But Dave reckons, he's told me that it's 10 seconds. He reckons it's a 10-second difference in a 5K having these these, shoe, these shoes with um, rollerblades on the back of them. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll retract my previous statement about <laughs> my 10 seconds then. <laughs> 10 seconds is the, is the, you know, you're talking 10 seconds with the carbon plate, plated shoes. And, I mean, the biggest thing with the plated shoes, and it's, and it's the argument I always think gets, gets but, forgotten about, is everyone, everyone goes on about the carbon plate. And the thing is that all the other brands have now got a carbon plated shoe, and yet none of them are still as good as the Nikes. And the difference between them isn't the carbon plate, it's the foam. Yeah. And the difference that Nike has in the foam and and even the AirPods in the Alpha Fly is that it, it takes so much impact off the joints that you just don't over a marathon you don't get fatigued you're not you, your legs aren't taking the fatigue I mean you know when I did my marathon I, I fell apart but it was more because I hadn't fueled and my nutrition was poor and then I was dehydrated my legs were fresh enough that I was back on the track within a week um, mm. you know it, but I've trained and I've trained in the other carbon plated shoes but, but the foams are firmer and they're just not they don't give that. By the way, this this ten seconds for an elite athlete that would be for someone like myself that could be a minute or even more. You know, it's uh, I don't know, I don't know. It is, but it doesn't. But you know, if you took a a four hour marathon runner and put them in them, they might they might take, you know, the one they've got to train. They've still got to do the training behind it, but they could take twenty minutes off the, the four hours. But that still doesn't put them in the elite. You know, the elite thing. It's not. You know, it's it's still the main thing is it's. And if you did the training hard enough, you could get, if you're a four-hour runner, you could get down to a 3.40 by just training a bit harder and things like that. Yeah, it's better equipment, but then, you know, say triathlon, triathlon. If you've got better equipment than triathlon, yeah, okay, it's going to help your performance, but it doesn't mean you're going to win the race. You've got to put the hard work in at the basic level. So, yeah, the shoes help, but then look back years ago when people used to run on the track. It's just a sport moving forward. Yeah. We now run on better surfaces. We now have better shoes. You still have to work as hard as you ever have. I imagine the, the athletes from yesteryear, the, you know, the upset because the times are being compared to yesteryear. And, and they're, they're saying, well, you can't compare. It's like when we used to play with a Casey football, you know, Georgie Best, you know. Well, then I bet they're playing with balloons now, aren't they? Of course, they? you mentioned him because he's Irish. <laughs> <laughs> But I bet they would. I bet they would compare their times if, to the times if Georgie that Bear, came before them. If Georgie Bass was playing last night and he hit that balloon, he'd have scored from the halfway line. I prefer Johan Cruyff. <laughs> so, but you the, compare, if you if you those athletes would have compared the times prior to them, you know the, the, oh, yeah, the yeah, twenty yeah, thirty yeah, years yeah. prior to them, and then yeah, yeah. and that's unjust so as well, isn't it? But they just wouldn't have. You can't. You should never make that comparison, really. Well, that's no, because you again technology. But the other bit is, is that nowadays we have. We have social media. It's so much easier to shout out your your rage that you, this time's so much faster than that. I have to shoot a lot, rather than I've you noticed done that in the past. You know, there's a lot of angry people out there. You know? Stay off social media. I do. I, I should. Over the park if you join him. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I need to follow Alistair's um, enlightened approach to living mm. and get get the hell off these things, these platforms of. of uh, I, I do agree. There's a lot of um, yeah. angry people out there on social media. Yeah. But we're not angry people. We're very happy people. Um, moving on. The lady who, um, she she had a pork dinner, burrito, and uh, she's a vegetarian. Hang on, she's a vegetarian. She's had a pork burrito, 
and um, she's failed a drugs test. Uh, can if you tell this, me? If this is a cover-up, it's the worst cover-up I've <laughs> ever heard. Is that a serious story? Is, is David pulling that, your that leg again? What, no, that is what Bowerman Trap Club have said. They released a statement saying she had a pork burrito from <laughs> this restaurant. And, and she's a vegetarian? And that's why... She's not a vegetarian. Not a vegetarian. I don't think she's a vegetarian, but it's okay, like that was the deep. meat, what, there was something wrong with the meat that meant she's tested positive for a drug test. They put, they put in, in, in America, they put, they put um, nanadrenaline into, into the pork, into the pigs, to yeah. make them bigger, bigger pigs, you know, things like that. So there, there is always trace elements of it in the, in the pork, but it's only, it's meant to be 0.2 or something levels in there. So what you're saying she is she tested, was about to eat an awful lot yeah, of pork she, she, te- she tested three times over the amount that should, so be, that should be in there. She was very hungry that particular <laughs> evening. But the, the, I, th- I think the, the bit that undermined um, the argument was that both her and her coach, who is the coach of Bowman Track Club and been a coach for a long time and stuff like that, both denied, they both in the press conferences said they'd never heard of that drug, which is a well-known... I don't A well-known that, yeah. drug in, you know, lots of athletes, sprinters and things that have been banned over the years with that drug so for them to have turned around and said they didn't they didn't know about that drug sort of undermined their argument a little bit you, you know do you know about that drug tom i don't know i wouldn't know you see i, I, I wouldn't i'm I not would as know. enlightened on yeah. on zopin as matty <laughs> no but you know um no yeah but like i just say it it, it it then undermines the entire track club doesn't it and that track club what's this woman's is, name by the way sorry this athlete who had the pork burrito shelby hulian shelby hulian yeah Oh, okay, yeah. She, she's now been, uh, it's been passed, she only get one month. No, 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 that's a different one. Oh, is that a different one? Tell me about that one as well. I'll, I'll tell you about that one in a minute. Oh, John, John. After, oh, after the yeah, burritos, there you go. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it just undermines the entire track club now because Bowman is a very good track club. Like, Mark Scott's a Bowman. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Matt Centrovich is a Bowman. There's a few other really top athletes there. So, now that this has come out, yeah. I'm not saying anything about these other athletes, but it does undermine the track club. Yeah, so, like, like a black know, they've, stain. They've handled, yeah. it, I don't think they've handled it very well either with releasing the statement the way they did. Like they put it on Instagram and, and social media and things like that. It was a bit of a, it was a bit of one because she tested positive back in January or February. Mm. That's when she actually tested positive. But then they released this. It got leaked um, just before the trials, mm. um, which is where like there's a bit of like who leaked it's, it. Where's that yeah. come from? And there's a couple. Weirdly enough, there's a couple athletes who within the last couple of months have left the Bowman Track Club. And so there's questions, and this is all rumours. This, this is this is let's run forum chatter. This is, but this is all like rumours of like, well, did they leave because they knew about it and they wanted to get themselves distanced from this? And it's now making it what they knew. It's and then like when when you release your statements over the internet and all things like that, and just it, it now means for me, Bowman look murky walkers now, murky waters now, which Bowman to me a couple of months ago looked like the next track club to come through and. Yeah. Isn't Fill it? the void left and they, by and, Oregon. Yeah, and they had a big. They are, obviously they're based Oregon. They're, they're Nike sponsored, and they always had. Um, they had a big beef. The, the coach, the his name's escaping my head now, but um, he he never liked Salazar. He had a big beef with Salazar. And there's murky waters there, which is the Mulfara camp. What it was, exactly. Salazar, exactly. which which still Salazar. which still exists. They're rebranding at the moment. And Mo um, came out. So is, is is Oregon Track Club the one? The Salazar one. That's nothing to do with the new Oregon Track Club, is it? The Amos runs for. Yeah, no. There, so there's always been Oregon Track Club. That's a different thing. So that's, there, was a, that's there, was the there was the Nike Oregon. There was the Nike Oregon project. Yeah, yeah. So they're separate entities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is, they are. There is currently a rebrand of the Nike Oregon 
project okay. one because Craig Engels is still the, 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 the yeah. one who's the assistant coach is still coaching him the likes of Craig Engels um, Tiffany Sam and stuff like that are still mm-hmm. part of that group um, and what's his name who did the Steve O'Jays no it was, a, it was a 3k than he did the night in the Diamond League over in uh, not Evan no, no, no. Um, he's an Ethiopian fella. I just can't think of his name now. Oh, um, I know what you mean. It's, it's been a really yeah. good movie. Trains with the Sun and all yeah, the rest yeah. of the stuff, yeah. Like um, a tall manky fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're yeah, all part of that squad. J.K. Wood's over there now as well, isn't he? Yeah. Not a, he's at Oregon. Yeah. Not. Yeah, because Chris, Chris Thompson was, was was the Oregon track. He used to be yeah, OTC. Yeah. Um, he's over there with that. Amos now. Yeah. That's Mark, it's Mark Rowland. Yeah. He's the coach there. Or so, he was the coach there. Though, so obviously now he's made the Olympic team. Yeah. Clearly it's working for him. Moving on from the burrito story, the uh, the latest scandal with this, this the next lady, what do you call her? Uh, Shai Richardson. Okay, Sprinter. so there's outrage surrounding that she's only been given a month off and that gives her time to still compete at the Olympics potentially. So she she, she, she smoked you, need, you, need, you need the back story to her, can't. to be fair, mate. You, you, on, she, she's us. a Tell controversial figure in the athletics world anyway. Right. Um, she's, and I think I think she's she's, a, con- she's controversial because she's because she's female. If she'd been male, it wouldn't be as controversial. I think that's society's view on it. But she's she's a character. She's um you know she's a, she's a Usain Bolt style sprinter. She's not this sort of quiet, chilled, relaxing. She's really out you know outspoken. You know, really sort of energized, everything like that. And um, that has brought her under fire quite a bit by people who think, oh, it's too much. Oh, she's too arrogant. She's too this, everything like that. We do think if she was if she was, if she was male, it, it wouldn't come under that fire. But because she's female, I think maybe it does. And but yeah, and the one is that she's coached by um, thinking Mitchell, um, who was Mitchell Blake. No, uh, is it Mitchell Blake? Mitchell Blake's the one who got the, a coach who got yeah, banned. Yeah, years yeah, yeah. Because um, she's coached by him, um, who yeah got banned from having athletes um, doping. Um, who Justin Gatlin trains with. Who, who even though I've spoke to the guy, and he, he is quite a nice down to earth fella and stuff like that. Um, has served two drugs bans, um, you know, mm. one, you do to think, well, you know, people make mistakes, two, starts to question, you know, Clearly what's, what's going on a little bit. That, yeah. um, but, um, so she trains in, in, in that group, um, so that, that always raised questions why a young athlete would be, but she's always been a talent, um, from a young age, she's always been a talent, and she's 19, and yeah, she, she won the US trials uh, last week, over 100, 100 metres, um, I can't remember if she made the, if she won the 200 as well, but, um, well, yeah, she's she's tested positive at the US she liked champs. The, she had a, she had a, a test and yeah, she tested positive with the cannabis, which isn't, um, you know, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's banned from a, a perspective of being, um, you know, illegal drug, but it's does, not banned. Does, from a does the wacky backer make you faster? No, which is why they take, which is why um, you can have a three, you get a three month ban usually, right. which you can then appeal and get it down to one month, which is what she's had, which is okay. what's happened. Yeah. Um, what that also means is that she's now actually valid because one month from when she's banned allows her then to compete in the 100 meter heats, which is the day after the one month. Would can end. can Wacky Backer c- cover other substances? It's not the point though, is it? The point is she's broken the rules. Yeah. The point is that if okay, you're a professional sorry. athlete, should well you be taking so. any sort of illegal drug anyway? So, that's you know whether it's performing enhancing or not. You know, should so you be I'll taking it? Points on it on Facebook. I can't remember who posted it. Mm. I'll just steal their point now. But hang on, in certain parts of the world, San Francisco, it's it's legal to smell yeah, yeah, smell wacky. The point. the point is in athletics, it's a, it, it, it's a it's banned. You will get banned if you take it. Okay. So people are coming out and saying, 
the, you know, it doesn't improve your performance. So why is it banned? Or why is she getting a ban and all those things like this? But it doesn't matter. The, the, what the fact of the matter is, there's a rule saying you can't do it, so you don't do it. If she's been caught, that's her own fault. So the point we made on Facebook was, if she does the relay and she passes the baton to someone, the smallest part outside the changeover section, she'll get disqualified. Will it give her an advantage in that relay? Probably not. But is it against the rules? Yes, so you'll get disqualified. It doesn't matter if it gives you... In my head, it doesn't matter if it gives you an advantage or not. The, the fact of the matter is, it's banned for a reason. It's a, it's against the rules for a reason. So if it's against the rules, you know you shouldn't really be doing so it. So you've no sympathy for it. Serve the three-month ban. It's not that I have no sympathy for it. It's the fact of... I'm going to sound like a right stick in the mud or something. Mm-hmm. But like, it's the fact of... As you say, Matty, she's an athlete as well. So, as an athlete, should you really be going out and smoking cannabis? And she's, and she's not just an under-the-radar athlete. She's a, she's the, you know, the next superstar of sprinting. She's being yes. hailed as sort of thing. And, you know, that's a, a following for it, lots it of young... Send a good you know, message, yeah. does it? No. You know, that's someone to look up to. Who's then, you there, know, there was an, another, another comment I, I read that was... It, 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 a session can be very painful. You know, you're really pushing yourself. And the wacky backer can... Eh, Take away. Don't get a sports massage. Don't smoke cannabis. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there, there is, there is a thing. It, on, it obviously, t- like the, t- there's all the CBD oils now, which are, which are legal and all the rest of it, and they're obviously extracts from, from cannabis and things. And you know, you, you then you wonder, obviously, you know, is, is that really is that starting to push a grey area of? But then you've got you see all the athletes sponsored by them and doing an Instagram post and stuff like that from, you know. So okay, I'll go back to. If she thinks, I'll go back to, if she thinks, in her opinion, if she thinks she shouldn't be banned for it and it doesn't give her an advantage, appeal. I'll go back to Carl Lewis. It happened to Carl Lewis in the 80s um, on, a, on a very good documentary I watched. Uh, documentary was called If You Don't Take It, You Won't Make It. And the documentary was about the Seoul Olympic final in the 100 metres. Obviously, notably, Ben Johnson got caught open and was banned. But it went through every individual in that final. And there's only two individuals, three individuals, sorry, in that final who never got caught doping. Calvin Smith, um, the Brazilian lad, I can't remember the Brazilian last name, and Carl Lewis. But when it came to Carl Lewis, it said that Carl Lewis had been caught. He got caught using a Chinese remedy um, in the off-season or something. But he appealed it. He appealed it to say it was the healing injury and it gave him no effect so it, it had no effect to improve his performance. So he appealed it, and they said, all right, yeah, fair enough. They investigated the substance, and they turned around and said, okay, we'll remove that from the doping list. You're, you're still a clean athlete. If that's the case, appeal it and, set, uh, and, and challenge it and say, I want it taken off the doping list. It has no effect on my performance. I've done it in a recreational way. Okay, I'll take a month ban because I shouldn't take this substance, but it shouldn't botch my athletics record. If that's, if that's the way... She's looking at me. Fight it then. Okay. But she hasn't fought it, has she? I don't. I don't know enough to know whether she has or she hasn't. But I haven't heard that she has fought it. No, she she's fought it in enough that it's gone from a three month to a one month ban. Mm. Um, and and her, I think before the news broke, um, her 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 Twitter, she'd put a post on saying only human. Was was her <coughs> her tweet out sort of thing, and that was before the news broke, and then it broke as a, a rumor, and then it. It'd be hit on the press and things. But I'm only human. And she likes the ganja. Okay, moving on. 
The uh, <laughs> what more can we discuss here? We're we're fifteen. You're twenty two. Twenty two. So we've got. Come on. So you want me to go into? We've got a. We've Manchester, got a. Manchester Met. Yeah, we're going to Manchester Met and bring us up to up to date then. Go on. So. So I was really. Eating. So you hate man, ma- Manx, and you chose a university in Manchester. We'll go from there. You said that, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I was I was still with Adrian at that point, and um, needed to be, uh, did my A levels. At A level, I picked uh, philosophy, and ethics, psychology, and history, which is really useful considering I now work in a PE department. But yeah, <laughs> so I picked those A levels, and I went to Manchester Met University, study history. Um, no other reason to pick it, really, other than, well, a couple of reasons actually I picked it because the course was right for me. I wanted to study history that I hadn't studied at A level, so at A level I studied the Tudors and I studied Nazi Germany. Um, at university I studied mainly ancient Greece and ancient Rome, completely different, really interesting stuff. So that was one reason. The other reason was Steve Green had spoke to me and said, yeah. It's good uni, I'm going to try and bring the sport through there. So it was nice to know I'd be looked after as an athlete as well, rather than just picking it for, for my uni as well, because I was going to live at home, I did. So at the time, my setup was great, my setup was, I'd be training at home with Adrian, I still have a really top group around me, Jamie Webb was flying at the time, Um, other athletes like Joe Ford, Max Brain were around as well. So it was that sort of vibe, and then I'd go to uni, I'd compete with the team, and I'd have someone like Steve Green, around to manage our team so you go to books 1500 you go to books across country and Steve would be giving you the best advice in the world because he'd been there he'd done it himself he'd run 339 for the 1500 he'd done a commonwealth final you knew you knew what Steve said Steve meant he was he's, he still is he's phenomenal for looking after his athletes I, I can't praise Steve enough for that you enjoyed your time at Manchester I did yeah I um Three years there, spent up, travelled up uh, two three days a week, and yeah, it was uh, it was really good. As I say, I studied ancient history. I actually did my um my dissertation on the ancient Olympics. Oh, yeah. go on, give us some some just one little story, some kind of interesting thing that you learned on 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 that about the ancient. Well, it was uh, it was entirely different to what it was what it is now. A lot of people think it comes from ancient rituals it really doesn't it's just two completely different entities altogether so for starters only rich people could compete in the olympics really because when did it start well i don't know um we don't actually have a, have a specific origin date there's a couple of different origin stories one origin story is it came from pelops a bloke a bloke who then went on to found the, the peloponnese and pelops had to race he had to race the king of Madeira or somewhere. He had to race this king for his daughter's hand in marriage. So the idea was after he wins, he becomes king of the Peloponnese. Um, he wins his daughter's hand in marriage and then rules in the Peloponnese for years. And the games is founded in his in his um, honour. Like it's an honorary games for Pelops. That's, that's one origin story. The game in Greece. In Greece, this is current day Greece. Another origin story is that it's founded from Hercules. Hercules completes his, his tw- well, Heracles is the Greek. Heracles, Heracles completes his 12 labours and then founds the Olympic Games as his 13th unofficial labour. So, so the Greeks can honour the gods and show the gods, you know, 
their prides, their virtues, because to win the Olympics is to show that you have divine favour. The Greeks, the gods have blessed you with this ability, this virtue. It, it, it was massively different to the, way, to the way it is now. As I say, only rich people could compete in it because only rich people had the time to not work and train for the Olympics. And then if you won the Olympics... What kind of, um, you know, what were they... Uh... What kind of sports were it, you know, involved at that time? So you'd have obviously you'd have you'd have your, char- your chariot races there. You'd have your your short sprint, which wasn't a distance; it was literally just a short sprint. Right. Maybe a lap of the um of the stadium. Stadium's right. still there now in Olympia. Yeah. Um, you'd also have your you'd have your long sprints. A lot of people think the marathon was there. The marathon wasn't there. They didn't have a a, a event for any sort of distance race. They had they had some sort of lapped events but it wasn't anything like a 5 a 10 or a marathon wasn't any of that um, and then you'd have things that were a bit of fun as well so you'd have the racing armour so you'd get fully kitted up in armour which was like a massive heavy shield weighs about 20 kilos spear helmet all that yeah. and you'd race in full armour and then you'd have things you'd have boxing as well you'd have any fights to the death anything like that no? well you'd have the funny say that because boxing would go on until someone either gave up or someone died Right. And then you'd have the pancratia, and the pancratia was basically wrestling. But anything goes apart from eye gouging. That's hey. the only thing that wasn't allowed. So no, yeah. a lot of people could die in the pancratia. Pancratia, yeah. yeah. It's the earliest form of wrestling. What year are we talking here? Can you give us a year? So uh, the Peloponnesian War was, which is a war between Athens and Sparta, was four twenty. My tooth is going to kill me for this. I want to say four twenty seven BC, um, okay. and the Olympics have been going on for years before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you so, say years, you mean like possibly a couple of hundred years. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's been going on a long time. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm sure our listeners enjoy hearing that. Mm. We often think of 1908 as the first Olympics. Is it 1908? Mm. Uh, Eight, no, that was the London one. Sorry, that was 1892 or something like that. No, no. But it's very recent, but that's that's just it's an effect. That's, that's, that's the modern Olympics. But the actual beginning of the whole experience was like 600 BC. Well, that's uh, the thing. So uh, when I looked into it, my, my dissertation actually was um, ancient Athens is linked to Olympia because ancient Athens is the easiest one to study because there's the amount of resources on it. There's a lot more resources on Athens than there is any other place. And, so and then for you, what reason is that? Is that Simply because... Athens was the head of philosophy, it was the head of literature. They kept records. Uh, all stuff like that, yeah. yeah. So whereas Sparta was a... The, the ones you'll know, Sparta was devoted to... Um, was devoted to war. Like, there's a quote about Sparta from the time as well that says, if Sparta was abandoned and all its people left, no one would ever realise that this place was a place of great warriors because it literally was just a lot of huts dotted around. There was no sort of city. That's where we get city. The, 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 the Spartan. Yeah, the Spartan yeah. warrior. Yeah. That, yeah. So... Athens was like the head of knowledge, literature, philosophy. So you get all the records from Athens. So when I studied it, you know, it's a lot of reading. Um, you do realise that when they tried to refound the Olympics, they tried two or three times. The modern Olympics wasn't the first attempt. They tried two or three, maybe even four times. And just it, it never really took off. People weren't that interested. So when they did it again in our first modern Olympics, which was in Paris, in, they sold in what year? I think it was in 1868. Oh, we it's not that far back, is it? I think it was 1868. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We will. We, we better, better re- We better find out. 
So he, they sold it massively as the Olympics is home. Paris. Paris, yeah. They, Why Paris? Simply because he was French. Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the bloke who found it was French. Yeah. Yeah. That was literally the reason. Um, yeah. And then they sold it as you know, this, this link to the Olympics, this link of the original Olympics by that I mean this link to peace this link to prosperity and all that like mm. he sold it massively as we're refound of the Olympics like it was all then but then it it just wasn't so we sold it as the modern Olympics is this massive symbol of peace isn't it mm. the ancient Olympics wasn't that at all it was a symbol of war maybe not well, it, the idea the idea they get from the Olympics being a symbol of peace is just simply by the fact that during the Olympics there is a there is an, uh, a ceasefire. No war can go on during the Olympics, and that's they make it sound like oh it's peaceful. It's not. It's not. It literally just was so people could get to and from Olympia to compete because at the time the Greeks just they warred all the time with each other mm-hmm. in city states. So dur- during the ancient um, Olympics, there was this. There ju- was a ceasefire. A ceasefire. So. Mm-hmm. And that's the link to this idea of peace. But then a lot of the time the that, did, that did get ignored. Right. Like during the Peloponnesian War, it went on. It went on anyway. Like they did ignore it a lot. But the idea was basically just so people could get to and from Olympia mm. because you'd be traveling the from athletes. your city. Yeah, the athletes. Yeah. You'd be traveling and the spectators as well, maybe. Or? There were spectators. Yeah, mm. there was no women allowed though. Well, that's only right, isn't it? To have any women. That's a joke there, by the way, for those who are listening. <laughs> okay, moving on from the uh, Peloponnesian Wars of ancient Greece. Did I say that right? Yeah, you said that right, no worries. Right. Good guess. Um, you're now, well, you're 22, but you were, in this story you are... At this time, I'm about 18, 19. I'm at uni. Yeah. You're at uni and you've got a squad around you with the Harriers, but you've also got athletes around you in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're running more than you've ever ran in your life and you're making gains and, and, and bring us up to speed. So, from an athletic standpoint, while I'm at uni, um, we actually did have quite a good squad. Um, Manchester at that time, we were investing a lot more in sport than we had previously. So, Jerome Reid, still there now, actually, Jerome. Jerome Reid was appointed the head of sport performance at, at the uni. And he was a he was an um, Olympic bronze medalist in water polo, and then the way they set it up was they wanted a, like a coach a, a coach of good standing at every sport team. So obviously Steve got appointed for us, based in Manchester. Steve went to the uni himself before he was in America, and um, so that was that was our setup. That was our start. Well, Steve started the year before me, I think, but that was the, the starting point we were going to try and start pushing to get better and better athletes and put ourselves on the map, which to an extent we have done because if you look at the uni now, some of the athletes we've got now are fantastic. Like Mark Scott is is an MMU student for one. Um, Kevin Metzger is a 46, 400 made the British final the other week. These are just some athletes that we've got. Um, so when we started with our squad, we had a good group of distance runners. We had myself, we had Will Rawson, who's now a 14, 46 man based in America. We had Sam Garrett, who was a two minute 800 runner. And we had Will Beecham. Will Beecham's still running now. I think he ran a 225 marathon in Cheshire Marathon the other week. So we had this squad and we were, um, we were quite good to be fair. We did well in varsities. We went down to books as a team. It was a really nice atmosphere that we had. But it, it, was, it was sort of more than that because you go down as a team to these events You'd, all, you'd, you'd have your chairman organise them yourself, so our chairman was Will Beecham. And I could, but then, 
the Union supporters massively as well. So Jerome would come to our our events, watch us. We'd have every chance we got, we'd be putting scholars applications in some of our athletes for scholars as well. Which when you were a scholar, um, you got loads of support off the uni for like sports massages, S and C, all things like that. Like I wasn't a scholar, but I still got because I was a runner of some decent standing. I still got S and C for even the uni. I went down to Platt Lane. Essence, sorry, what? Essence. Strength and conditioning. Oh, so I had I had a strength and conditioning coach right the way through uni, Dan. So I'd go down to Platt Lane gym, and I'd have a strength and condi- strength and conditioning um coach take me through a schedule. And to be honest, I I think that was one of the things that improved me massively at university when I started running good times because I'd never had that setup before. I'd never had the access to a gym or a coach for guidance as much as I did. Um, so I'd I'd find myself in the gym two or three times a week with a mate of mine, Matt. He was a four hundred, and we'd go down together, and it just it was it was really good because you'd have what kind of workouts were you doing? Well, you'd have you'd have an upper body day, and you'd have a you'd have a leg day. So in your upper body day, you'd be doing you'd be doing resistance training, weight training. You'd have us on pull ups. You'd have us on free weights, and then you'd be you do you do a core session in there as well. Leg day was similar, but it'd be more squats and lunges with a bar and that sort of thing. And like the facilities were just unbelievable. Like you you get everything top quality then you'd have the basketball lads were always in there with us you'd have the rugby lads in there with us and Toronto Wolfpack who was a rugby league I think they were rugby league might be rugby league rugby league team at the time they shared the gym with us so did Rochdale's first team so like we had all these these athletes around us these top quality athletes so you just knew the atmosphere and everything really the atmosphere the facilities it was all it was all top notch you knew you, knew you were in the right place and that was at like Manchester Met who like at the time, we're trying to get to be a top sport uni, and they're getting there now. So, like, it just shows how much they were willing to go the extra mile for their athletes at yeah. that time, and, st- not, and they still are. Nothing but positive memories from Manchester. No, I've got great memories. Um, yeah, in my last year, we won varsity, which is probably one of my fond- fondest memories. Um, we'd organised varsity against against University of Manchester, and we'd had like. So a varsity, sorry, is a so match between is two universities. Two, two universities in that city. What does the word varsity mean? I don't know. Oh, I've got a clue, mate. No, it's just a word I just know our varsity was against University of Manchester. Yeah, so we had, we had that. We'd organised it at the Manchester Relays, which is a big event in early cross-country season. But we'd organised it with them as we'll have a varsity during this event. And we'd had, we'd had somewhat of a rivalry, but they got the better of us for the most of the time that I was there. But this last year, we felt great about it. We thought we I was in good shape. A couple of the lads were in good shape. James Wignall just during the uni was a really good runner as well. So like we we were up for it. We we were ready to to stick it to them. So we got to like it was five legs in a cross country course. I think I was on leg three, and um, we got to leg to leg five, and we thought we've done this, we've done this, but we didn't know because Manchester relays there's loads of clubs around. You hope you beat them, but we weren't sure. Now, as it turned out, we, we won the entire event, which for Manchester Met was fantastic. It was a, it was a great memory to have. Yeah. I just showed that in the three years that I've been there from year, first year to third year, we were, we were getting where we wanted to be. We were putting ourselves on the map as a sport uni. Is it a difficult moment when you, you finish your course, you gain your degree and you, you sort of step away from it all, from, from that life? You know, it's just got to start again in a way. For me, it definitely was. Mm. Um I don't know how other students would have coped in normal circumstances, but for me, COVID had happened oh, that year. So I'd, I'd finished my dissertation 
And as soon as I finished my dissertation, it was like, all right, that's submitted. And then you get your exams. And my exams for me were literally just, we got emailed out questions. These are your exam questions, submit them online. So you, you'd submit your, your questions online, you'd do them, and then it was done. That was it. It's like, it, there wasn't the just the tradition of finish your exam, go for a pint with your mates. Yeah. Uh, go, and, go and, you know, finish uni with your mates, have, have a right, you know, night out, whatever, or all that. Cap and gown and all exactly. this. Exactly. So no, none of that now. Last thing, I still haven't had my graduation now. My graduation's scheduled for next July. Oh, dearly me. Which is, considering yeah. I finished uni uh, 18 months ago. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it's a lot, so. So that final is it the final year of your final year or less like, than that. Well, it was like, it was the it was the back end of my final year. So my final year so, was was going good, but you you had this lingering. And then, COVID was in the news, but you weren't sure it was going to affect you. Then suddenly it was yeah. affecting other places and not Manchester. And then before uh, you knew it, we were getting sold. The library was closed. University, we couldn't come in. Your lectures are online. Your exams are online it was just it was yeah, so all it of was, a sudden you, was, you don't you don't even make the journey down there anymore well it was it was yeah. in the space of a few weeks as well like it yeah. wasn't it wasn't you know oh yeah this thing is building gradually it was, it was in the space of four weeks Do you I feel think. it was just for this to happen you know the the government decisions it was to, it had to, it had to be done but then i always say i feel like the forgotten year group at university i say it's people in my year in my mm. year as well i feel like the forgotten year group in the fact that we finished we did our we did our dissertations, we did our exams, we all finished. And if you didn't do a masters, you were out into the world. Mm. And it was like, but you're in the middle of a lockdown. There's no jobs. Yeah. This this was for me as well. This there was yeah. no jobs. There was um. There was like very lack of. Okay, this is your next step, which you would have normally the not, got the ordinary transition. Yeah, you would. You would have normally got okay. We'll give you this job support, this employment support, mm. which the uni did try and do. Don't get me wrong; the uni did their best. They sent us emails. They got a, they got in touch with us about online employment fairs. But like, a lot of them were based in Manchester. It was no good to me. So then you'd find yourself. I I, I was sat at home for months. I, I was just training, doing not much else because I couldn't find a job. Mm. I, I I did for a lot for a long time for a few months. Felt like the forgotten year group, and that you just finished uni, and that was it. My God, very, very difficult, very difficult. And, and I suppose those who have started university, they've had like one or two years where they've not, they've, the university has been completely, they're like the last year of your... 100%. Like you know, I, and I imagine that must be tough as well. Uh, yeah. I, it's, I, it's all tough, isn't it? Like I, yeah. The way I finished uni, I, I see myself as lucky because I got out before it hit the fan fully. Yeah. So I, three quarters of my last year at uni were normal as hell. But then it if, was, let's say you were a, a young man again about to, to go into that university, would you think twice about going in? Because you're basically working over like online, aren't you? If would I you delay to, it? Delay if I went in now, yeah. this year, I'd go in September because I know we're coming out of it. Yeah. Or we're supposed to be um, If I started the year after I finished university, mm. so if I, if I was a first year student, You'd pull out. I I wouldn't do it. No. Yeah. I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have gone through it because I respect that decision. Um, the, to pull the out. Way, really, yeah. The way my dissertation went, the, it went really well up until I had two weeks left to submit it, and it wasn't. You've got two weeks left to submit it. It was the library shuts into in two weeks. Mm. Get it done before the library shuts. Yeah. So it you was need just, that library as well. It don't was you? that was thing for me. I definitely did because all the resources. Yeah. So. Yeah. Especially studying ancient history, it was easy enough. Well, it wasn't easy enough. Like it's, it's, 
doing a dissertation and doing a history dissertation, you can find a lot online. But I I couldn't. With the being ancient history, I had to go to the University of Manchester's library because mm-hmm. they, they're large basically on classics and just look from book to book most days. So oh, yeah. if that library shut, I was down 80% of my resources straight away mm-hmm. because the library, a lot of their books weren't online. They were old classic books about Greece, about Athens, about the Olympics I, that I would never have been able to find online ever so you'd have had to maybe bought books and yeah exactly it would have been it would have been incredibly hard to, to get that last section done mm. so in my head I wouldn't put myself through that that first year in lockdown I just wouldn't do it I, yeah. the stress I felt in third year it'd be it'd be a lot more it'd be well worse but you did it and um, fair play to you for that you completed and you've moved forward yeah. and now an assistant at the Cardinal Heenum. Cardinal Heenum. Yeah. Um, and your running has most recently gone even to another level again with, with times of 14, 34 for 5K. It's got it. Finally got it right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I want to talk about ambitions, ambitions for the future. Let's look ahead. Coaching, I don't know. Ambitions, first of all, to get the best from you, of course, that could take 10, 15, 20 years, I don't know. What what are your ambitions? I said Would, it to um to, to a couple of lads after I'd run thirty four. I didn't think I'd run fourteen thirty four for maybe another two years, um because the way it went, I went from fourteen fifty nine to fourteen thirty four. Like it was it was obscene. Like it was just stupid. I I I do probably attribute that to lockdown because, you know, you you're not racing, you're training all the time because there's nothing else to do. So then when you get on that start line for that first time, there's that hunger, there's that desire. You haven't done this for a year. This is all you've looked to for a year. So then it is just like letting an animal out the cage. So to run the time I did, in my head, maybe a year, 18 months ahead of schedule, I never I never thought I'd be able to break 14 minutes as an athlete. I'm not saying I'm going to do it in a year's time or whatever, but I'm 22 I know a lot of athletes who PB all the way to 29, even into the early 30s. That's eight, nine years away from me. So I, in my head, if I don't get at least close to 14 minutes by the time I retire, because the plan is to retire early 30s, it always is, isn't it? That, that's just sort of thing. I'd be a bit disappointed in myself, I think, because 34 seconds in... Is, is that your plan eight, to re- retire in early 30s? That's I, I don't know what the future holds, but, you know... You, you you plan you you say you're gonna carry on running because you you've got no you've got no sights in quitting. So while I'm able to run PBs, which should be the ex, the next eight nine years, I can't get close to fourteen minutes in that time. I'd be very disappointed in myself. Right, okay, and 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 go having that ambition to go under fourteen minutes. What then? Just keep getting faster, I suppose. To compete like, I'd, and I'd to, like, to achieve win maybe. Yeah, so I'd like an international best to be nice. Obviously, it's it's easier said than done. I had I'd love to get an international vest on the road still one day, because I know in myself, yeah, five k is great. I'm I'm a good five k runner, but I know eventually I'm going to be a road runner. Whether that's five k, whether that's half marathon, whether that's the marathon, the longer it gets, the more I seem to enjoy the race. I half marathon, I think, is where I'm going to go in the next few years. I want to break seventy within the next year. Um, yeah, and I I I do. Seriously, see myself going up and up the older I get. Good man. That's great to hear. So, 
where are we in this story now? I think that's we're looking ahead now. Aren't we we're, we're ambitious, so we're, looking we're, ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I haven't actually mentioned. You haven't actually asked me about about the gaffer at the minute, have you? About Tony. Well, naturally, uh, yeah. Bring bring him into it, sir. So, obviously, I had some great times with Adrian, but Adrian then need uh, thought it was the right time for him to retire. Fair enough. Yeah, I thanked Adrian for all he'd done. To, all he'd done for me. I was a fantastic coach. So Aid retires and Tony comes into the picture. So I, I I looked for well, Adrian promised he wouldn't just leave me hanging, which fair play to the man because he could have just said I'm gonna retire, Tom. See you later. But he said to me, I won't retire until I know you're going somewhere, where it suits you and that is right for you. So luckily we had Tony. Uh, we had the conversation with Tony. I moved over to Tony's group after Aid retired. And to be honest with you, I was having the worst. I won't. I won't lie. I was having the worst track season of my life. How long are we going back now? This is. You've been in Tony's group for. Oh, it's just three years, maybe. Three years, yeah. Um, I was having the worst track season of my life. Just in the fact that I was just running times that I, well, I was chasing times that I wasn't getting near. I was going all over the place to try and run these times. And I just wasn't wasn't getting them, so I wasn't enjoying it. And I, I said that the first time I spoke to Tony on the phone, I said that to Tony. I said, so, I'll be honest with you, if I'm going to run, I'm not going to run the 1500. I hate the 1500. It's not going to plan. It's not going well. So I said, we're not just going to abandon it. But I'm going to give you time. I'm going to give you time to find the enjoyment in the sport again. And for six weeks, you can do whatever you like. So I said, so, I want to try a 5K track. I've wanted to all year. That's what I want to run. We tried the 5K track. Um, Northern League put me in it knew it was what I wanted to do from then on he was like okay we're going to do a couple more this season but I'm not just going to leave you in the headspace you're in with that 1500 we've got to get that back I understand you want to enjoy it but if you leave it he knew that if I left it there I'd never do a 1500 again probably because I just hated running them so fair play to Tony we got to the last race of the season Stratford and probably one of the first memories I've got with Tow, but one of the nicest memories I've got with Tow as well. It was just, I'd, I got on the start line and I'd said to myself, if this race goes badly, I'm never running the 1500 again. I'd said that. I knew, I knew it was going to happen. And that was confidence. That was nothing else other than a lack of confidence. So, I got in the race. I'd, I'd already wound myself up massively, but still don't know how. By some miracle, I ran a PB. And then Tow was just over the moon. He was jumping around telling me, they told you you could do it. This is the one, lad. And it was just a really nice moment because me and Tow were just both so relieved that it had gone well. And then we knew from then on we were where we needed to be. And that was when Tow set out a plan for me. And he said to me, listen, you, you're this, but you can be this. If you dedicate yourself the next few years, we'll get there. And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're getting there now. And we know that. And it's fan, it's fantastic. Like I'm enjoying the journey. And um, wouldn't change a thing at the minute. Yeah. yeah. Being a part of the Scouse project mm. has been, uh, most recently, I feel like we're really buzzing in that group. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We've got a fantastic setup and I've got complete faith in Tony. Like, the things Tony's done for me are fantastic. Um, inside the sport and outside the sport, I'll always say, and I've said to Tony himself, he's helped me develop as an athlete, but he's also helped me develop as a person, growing confidence and just like, be a better person in athletics and out of athletics. Um, but Tony spotted early on that he wanted me to be a road runner, same as myself. He wanted me to be a 5k upward runner. 
But the big thing for Tony was he wanted me to be a senior. And I, did, I didn't get my head around this concept. I won't lie, John Joe, until I was introduced to yourself, Richie Burney, these sorts of athletes. Because I've been through the age groups with Adrian, they were fantastic. You know, it's like you're racing kids your age, yeah. coming high up in National Cross, you're coming high up in Northern Cross, and it's all well and good. So you, you think the progression to seniors is just going to be the same. You go in there and you think, so I'm top 100 at National. But then you meet the likes of John Joe, you meet the likes of Richie Burney, who... You, you put this isn't any offence to you John Joe I'm sure you'll sure agree with me Richie being the same both fantastic athletes top quality people just really nice people but like you go into a road race and you'll think I can beat Richie on this you go into a road race and think I can beat John Joe in this 5k but then you step foot on the cross country and you realise it, it's it's a proper man's game whereas the age groups it's 8k cross country nice nice surfaces all that it's a different ball game and Tony, Tony knew that, and Tony knew that I didn't know that. So that 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 was Tony's big mission to get me ready for that. And I feel like we're getting there now. And credit to him because he's he's got me into being a better athlete than I was when I started with him. And he's got me ready, to, not ready to compete. Well, yeah, he's got me ready to compete in them senior age groups that I wasn't before. Fantastic, fantastic. Matthew, any more? No, I think that sounds, uh, sounds like a nice place to, it's been to wrap. And, and, yeah. It's been marvellous listening to your story. And also, I just want you to give a shout-out to the family, your mother, your father. Give them, give them, give them a shout-out, will you, please? Oh, to, uh, to our John and Christine. John, Christine, you've got some sisters and brothers? I've, I've, got, a, I've got a sister, she's called Sarah. Give them a good shout-out, will you? Shout-out to the family, yeah, then. Thanks That's for nice. uh, yeah. Thanks for all your support in the athletics. Yeah, uh, wouldn't be where I am without the support of the family. To be fair, so it, it is nice to, to give them a mention. Thanks for that, John Joe. Wonderful. And finally, looking ahead, any final thoughts, Tom? Something you want to say there? No, it's been it's been a pleasure, John Joe. Um, yeah, as I say. I have had a, a nice road on my athletic journey. Can you, like, I'm, all, I'm still only 22, so I'm hoping there's a lot more memories to, to come, a lot more nice achievements. Yeah. yeah. Liverpool, a great city, beautiful city. Um, I've had the pleasure of running with you guys recently. Sefton Park, all these wonderful, iconic places. Um, tell us about your love for Liverpool. It's my home, isn't it, John Joe? So, you, it, it, Liverpool just defines me. I like I'm a scouser. I'm a proud scouser. To me, Liverpool is one of the best cities, in, if not the best city in um, in England, doesn't it? Cause I'm starting to agree with you, sir. You've you've got everything you want in Liverpool. Can't you can't ask for anything else? And I don't care what anyone says when it comes to oh, scousers, this scousers, that. <clears throat> Scousers are some of the nicest people in the world. I love Scousers. Scousers are some of the nicest people in the world. If you want to come somewhere and you want to experience a city, come to Liverpool. Mm-hmm.